Hello, and welcome to the Medical Device Success Podcast. I am Ted Newell, your host. The goal of this podcast is to contribute to your success and, in turn, help you contribute to the success of your medtech company. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. This is a crazy time to start a podcast with the coronavirus dominating the news. However, there are important things we medical device professionals can be doing in this altered landscape of strategies and tactics for marketing, sales, and operations. So, working in the era of the coronavirus, hopefully a short era, will be the subject of this first season of episodes. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 14, Fireproofing Your Career in This Tumultuous Time, and if you've been fired, helping to create a foundation to finding a new job. This is an important podcast for everybody, but first I'd like to start out with a request. I am looking for 10 to 15 medical device sales executives to participate in a beta project related to a professional community. This is not like LinkedIn. LinkedIn is less about community and more about branding. This beta project is about a real community where you get to know other sales executives, share ideas, solve problems, enhance your skills, make new friends, and grow professionally. Of course, it is to have some fun too. Now, the sales execs I'm talking about, you could be a region manager, director of sales, VP of sales, etc. I think you get the picture. Uh, Let me know if you are interested. Great. Okay. Now, on to some information that I learned about this week that leads into the subject matter. I talked to executives from three companies this week, and these are companies that would have ranged from about uh, $25 million in sales to $250 million in sales revenue. Two of the companies have the cash and financial and cultural capability not to furlough or fire sales reps at this time. However, both of the sales execs thought that if business didn't pick up as expected, there would be layoffs in the fall or the winter. One company did act very quickly, and they let 25% of their sales team go. Now, one exec of the really large company, the $200-plus-million-dollar company, told me that he felt that upper management had not directed the sales organization to learn any new skills for this COVID era. They think the sales process will go on as it did in the past. And this is because they've been very, very successful in the past several years and perhaps a little bit of overconfidence here or arrogance. Um, But obviously, it seems to me that upper management in this case is a bit removed from reality. And they are not listening to the field managers. So because the corporate execs aren't providing direction, this executive, this sales executive, is having to make all these adjustments himself. Now, all of these sales execs had been provided adjusted value propositions from 
their leadership that are designed to gain traction in this environment. However, they have not been provided with the virtual tools or redefined sales processes to deliver the sales proposition. So that's a big problem right there. Now, meanwhile, these uh, sales execs told me that the doctors that they are in communication with are telling them that despite best efforts in their reopening and the reopening of these practices, there is tension in the office with the patients that are coming in. Patients are challenging the technicians and the doctors about disinfection of the chairs they sit in or the, you know, the beds, the, like the exam tables that they sit on or lay down on. They're asking if things have been wiped down. You know, technicians are nervous about patient contact. And some of the experienced older office staff are opting not to return to the office. So hopefully, you know, this will smooth out over time. However, podcasts that I have listened to that are by doctors who are reopening their practices indicate that they don't think they will be back to normal patient volume for some time. In fact, one doctor that I listened to indicated that they would probably have to take out a line of credit later in the year to help them survive this whole reopening process until perhaps there's a vaccine available. And this this was a really sharp practice. This gentleman is very, very sharp, and they've implemented a number of great uh, procedures and protocols as they've reopened. But still, they think they may have to go get a line of credit. Well, if they're getting a line of credit, they're not buying equipment um, unless it's really critical. So this whole environment in the practice, and therefore it's also in the hospital, it's really critical because if there's only a 10 to 20% dip in patient volume, this really hurts financially. And in turn, it means practices, ambulatory surgical care centers, hospitals, other types of clinics will be under financial pressure and unable to make big capital investments. Then, of course, this hurts the medical device industry. So it's sort of shocking. I hope my study of three sales executives is not indicative of the rest of the industry. I'm sure there are some parts that are healthy. But if it is, there will be lots of problems in the next six months resulting in more layoffs. One of these executives was telling me that he had been racking his brains and studying everything he could get his hands on, on the internet, on in books and so on, to figure out how to succeed in this challenging environment. This includes listening to my podcast, which I appreciated. But one of his problems is that he believes that over 30% of the reps on their sales team don't have the skills for the COVID era. And he believes they may not be able to make the adjustment. And let me tell you something. In the industry that this company is in, the reps from this company would be considered some of the best in the industry. So if he is forced to reduce his sales team this fall, guess which reps will be let go? All right, something to think about there. And that leads into the subject matter for today. You know, job losses are occurring and more will likely to occur. So if you still have a job, what are you doing to protect yourself from being fired and at the same time be ready to contribute to your company's success? If you have been fired, what are you doing to remodel yourself so you can get another job? 
When I say revise or remodel, I mean to be able to prove that you will be effective in this COVID and post-COVID medical device world. If you currently have a job, the most important thing you can be doing right now is staying very involved and being relevant. And by that I mean take feedback that you're getting from the field, from customers, from other sources. Be in contact with your boss and in in contact with your colleagues, sharing this information. Be looking for new ideas and even trying new ideas and sharing the results. If you bring information to your boss or your to your colleagues and some of it's in the form of a problem, have a solution or two to offer, but be involved and be active so that in the event, in the future, your boss is asked the question, who should we let go? You want to be considered somebody that's energized and active and looking out for the best interest of the company that they can rely on in the future. So let me just digress a second and talk about recruiting processes, especially vis-a-vis LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is really like one of the top tools that all recruiters are using now to find candidates for jobs that are open. And there are jobs that are being filled right now. I've talked to a couple recruiters and they're doing okay. They've got positions to fill. But how is LinkedIn used and why is this important? A lot of it has to do with keywords and the search capacity that these recruiters have on LinkedIn. As you know, on LinkedIn, there are several different levels of membership. You know, there's a freemium, the free program. Then there's a a program that you, I don't know, pay $30 to $40 a month. I think that's the program I'm on. Then there's Sales Navigator, which is a great program if you're in sales and it's in the $80 to $90 per month. But I think it's worth it if you're selling, and especially if your company reimburses you for that or if they pay for it. You know, there's enterprise levels, and I think recruiters also have a special package that they can purchase into. But they can search by amazing uh, types of filters. And that is why it is very important that your profile is set up correctly on LinkedIn because of these enhanced tools that the recruiters have. So let's first look at your LinkedIn profile. You have your image. And of course, it should be a professional image. And most people that I know have a reasonably professional image. So there's not much to criticize there. However, if you look above your image, there's this big rectangular area. And most people have left it with the default LinkedIn blue field that has some white lines in it uh, connecting to little circles. You should change that. It can look a lot more professional. For example, you could put your company logo in. You might need to get permission for that. I'm not sure. But it would look a lot more professional if you could put your logo in there. If you don't want to put your logo in or if you don't have a job, then put something in that maybe um, something that you've purchased from Shutterstock or PhotoSearch that implies or has a connection to your profession or the profession that you're most interested in or most expert in. So it could be if you're an orthopedic sales rep, maybe it's a screenshot of a hip implant or some plates. If you're in the ophthalmology business, maybe it's a diagnostic instrument or it could be 
intraocular lenses, something like that. But you should put something there because it proves that you are adept at and cognizant of the importance of how social media and professional social media works. So that's, that's one thing right there. Then the next thing is the heading that is underneath your name. You know, I talked to a, a sales rep the other day that was getting some advice on his resume and, and um, on his LinkedIn, and he had a very simple title underneath his name that really would not help him in, in terms of keyword searches. So, for example, let's say you're a marketing manager at XYZ Company. Instead of just having that there, like instead of it saying John Doe or Jane Doe, marketing manager at XYZ Company, you should say marketing manager of surgical medical devices at XYZ Company. Or you don't even have to have the company name there because the company name will show up in your um, in the in the work area, that your experience area. But this is much better for recruiters that are searching, especially if they're just zipping right through your profile and they see that heading. Now they know it's surgical medical devices as opposed to plain old marketing manager. So there's more that you can do there. You can put the word expert in there. You can put other descriptors, but you want something more than just the title that you have. And I don't I don't recommend putting in crazy little symbols like flames and exclamation marks and stuff like that. I just don't think that looks professional if you're in a position at a company. Then your summary should be really crisp. And that's also important for keyword searches that recruiters and other people might be using that are trying to find somebody like yourself or somebody with your skills. So your summary should be really crisp and indicate your, you know, even in more detail, your capabilities. And finally, your work experience is really important. And it's important to have the names of the companies you've worked for because sometimes a recruiter might be sitting there thinking, well, the person that's best designed for this job at this little startup, let's say it's a, um, a urology startup, they're going to want to find somebody with urological experience, and they may already know that the best people could be from a certain urology company. And so they'll search for that by name for that re, uh, urology company as they're looking for candidates. So you want to make sure that you have the names of the companies you work for um, in your um, work experience. And, of course, good descriptions of, of what you did at those companies and some of your achievements. There are a couple other areas that are important to uh, your LinkedIn profile and building your brand. And there's a, an area called Featured. It may not show up in your profile if you don't have anything to be featured. And then there's also an area called Activity. And what this is, is if you, let's say, uh, reply to a post that you've seen, maybe one of your colleagues or customer put a post up in your feed and you replied to it, that will show up in your activity. It won't show up if you simply like something. You actually have to make a comment or have a reply, something like that, and it shows up in your activity. And what's good about this is it shows that you're active and um, it shows the things that you're active about. The featured area, which is actually just below the about section, which is higher up in the profile, this would be something that you posted yourself. 
And the opportunity here is that if you post, let's say, a video, and even better, if you post a video about from yourself, I mean, it's a video of you. Perhaps it's a short oh, 15, 30-second video where you're explaining something that you're offering. Maybe it's a new product. Maybe it's a new way of looking at a feature about your product or something like that. And then you post that. There's several advantages to this. Number one is it shows up in your featured section. You have to put it there, but there's a way to do it. And it's pretty self-explanatory. But you put it into your featured section. And then it also, when somebody's skimming through your profile, they see the image of the video that is there that they can click on. And that indicates, again, that you are proficient, that you're effective in professional social media. And this leaves a good impression. It means you're not a dinosaur with a plain Jane LinkedIn profile. You've got something that's sort of dynamic. And I just think it leaves a good impression. And it completely relates to the new skills that you have to have in this COVID and post-COVID era. Okay, so now let's tie LinkedIn back to the comments I made at the very beginning of this podcast about being involved, engaged, and relevant with your company. To leverage this in LinkedIn means you have to be posting, you have to have some activity. And it should be related to your company, to your products, to the things that you're offering. You know, for example, you might be um, sending out a post about a webinar that your company is going to be offering, or it could be a post about a, 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 a peer-reviewed paper that recently came out. But this is important not only for the network that you have that you're trying to stay in touch with, but people in your company will see this and they'll see that you're engaged. And it doesn't matter if people don't comment on it or if they don't like it. Don't think that just because they don't comment or they don't like it doesn't mean they haven't seen it and they haven't read it because they have. It's just that we get so much stuff in LinkedIn that you can't like and you can't comment on everything. But they will have seen it. It will have made an impression. It will help keep you top of mind, not only in your company, but also in your network. It reminds people that you're there. So it is important, even though you might not be getting feedback. You need to do this. It will not only help you on LinkedIn, but it sort of circles back and helps you with your own company. So now let's talk about the next most important thing. And this is whether you still have a job or if you're looking for a job. And that is networking. And networking you know, can be somewhat controversial, but if you're on LinkedIn, you're interested in networking, or at least you should be. And the best time to network is when you still have a job. Um, I heard on another podcast, these ladies that specialize in networking called it friend working to make it seem a less, little less threatening. But if you start networking, especially when you have a job, even if you feel a little nervous about what's going to happen to your company in the, in the near future. Networking will make you feel good. It'll make you feel good to go out and, and meet with some professionals outside of your company, but still in your industry. It'll give you extra confidence, just that conversation that you have. And it keeps you top of mind with colleagues in the event that they hear of a position that you might be interested in. And you can, adv you can ask for advice on techniques to improve your value to your company. So there's a little bit of a psychology that goes on here, especially if you still have your job. If you have your job and you like your job and you really want to keep your job, you want to be 
fireproofing um, your career at your company. Because when you network this way and you talk to somebody about getting advice on techniques to improve the, your value within the company you currently work for, this, this, this sends a great message to those you network with. It tells them that you are committed to your job and you want to be even better at it. That's what I say, like, this is the reverse psychology in this. Yeah, you're networking because it might help you in the future move out of your position into a different company. But it also impresses these people about your dedication to your company. So now you've accomplished two things. You've received some really good advice that you can apply at work if if your colleague that you're networking with has some good advice. And you just impressed a colleague with your work, work ethic and dedication. The next call they get looking for someone like you, they may refer you. Now, when reaching out to a colleague to set up a networking meeting, use an embedded video in your email. This will demonstrate that you are tuned in to enhanced communication techniques and social networking techniques. And when you talk about this embedded video during your uh, meeting with them or the phone call that you have to set, set up your meeting, it will be a great icebreaker as you discuss new skills you have been learning to help your company succeed or new skills you've been learning to help you find a job. They will be impressed. Of course, this networking meeting that you have is most likely to be virtual. Don't let it be by phone if at all possible. Make it virtual because if you give a good virtual presentation of yourself and a good virtual interaction, this also gives the people you're networking with more confidence that you're on top of your game. And in doing so, when using Zoom, try not to use one of those virtual backgrounds they provide and don't be cute. Have a good background, uh, maybe a wall with some art on it or a set of bookshelves, like almost a library type of an image but do not do anything cute. And if it is a blank wall, make sure it doesn't have a closet door that edge of the door is coming up through the back of your head. Make sure it looks good. In fact, even try it out with a friend or with your spouse or partner. Uh, just make sure you look good virtually because it, that's a, a very important to leaving a good impression. Now, for those of you without a job, uh, the networking is much the same as what we just described, except that your approach may be a little bit different. Be honest about the lost job. Be clear that you aren't asking them if they know of any jobs. What you want to be doing is asking them for help in terms of advice related to new skills you should gain while looking for the job. Don't be so proud that you cannot use the word help. It's a magical word that instinctively causes people to be more empathetic and willing to open up. Again, when reaching out, use a technique like an embedded video to get attention and imply that you have virtual skills. Finally, as in all networking, always follow up with a thank you and try to stay in touch. Don't make it one-time contact and then they don't hear from you for months. Keep them informed of what you're doing and keep them up to date. So what did Tom Hanks say in the movie A League of Their Own? It was that baseball movie. Didn't he say something like, there's no crying in marketing? Or was it more like, um, no, he said, there's no crying in sales. Um, okay, 
actually, he really said, there's no crying in baseball. Anyway, it's not the easiest of times. I know a lot of people are nervous um, and a lot of people are working very hard. So put your kick-ass clothes on, whether you have a job or not, you've got things to do. And I think you can imagine exactly what the immediate impact idea of the day is for today. And that is to go back and take a hard look at your LinkedIn profile and start to make it a tool that engages your feed, all the people that you have in the network. Um, start trying to add 10 or 20 people to your to your network every week. But make sure that that LinkedIn profile looks good, that you're engaged. And when people see you in their feed, they see that you're engaged. Thanks so much for listening today and spending time with me. I hope you found some valuable points in this podcast. And don't forget what I mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, that I would like some people to work with me on a beta community. Please let me know. Please get in touch with me. So listen, if you like the podcast, please rate it. Please recommend it. um, Suggest it to a friend. And now go win your week. (laughs) 